0: Deep into the earth I go Deep into the earth I know Deep into the earth I go Deep into the earth I know Hold my hand, sister Hold my hand Hold my hand, sister, hold my hand. Deep into the earth I go, deep into the earth I know. Deep into the earth I go, deep into the earth I know. Hold my hand, sister. Hold my hand. Hold my hand, sister.
1: Hold my hand. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar, and before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to invite you to an event that I and almost 30 other, I think it's 28 now, other um, wonderful womb-centered healing practitioners are co-creating. It's called the Embodied Shakti Summit. So this is happening in April of 2019. It is happening from April 5th. Through April nineteenth, it is a free online summit, um, and I invite you to sign up and check it out. If you enjoy the interviews that I host here on the pod on the podcast, you'll definitely enjoy this summit. It's about embodied shakti. Uh, we're all talking about what embodied shakti means to us. People, women from and some and one man, I think <laughs> we inter- I interviewed on the practice of bringing our Shakti energy into full embodiment, full awakening. And that Shakti energy is the feminine creative life force energy. And it's called different names. Uh, It's the divine energy that we can embody through whatever spiritual practices, somatic practices, embodiment practices that we discover and and develop for ourselves. Um, The speakers uh, are talking about this from all different perspectives from all around the world, from a variety of different spiritual traditions, from Islam to Christianity to Yoga to um, to various African spiritual traditions, comedic um, Yoga, and other traditions, and it's a really diverse group of people. So join us for the Embodied Shakti Summit. You can check out the lineup of speakers on the sign-up page at EmbodiedShaktiSummit.com. So join us and we'll see you there.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Sama Morningstar and you may be listening to this video or audio in a number of places. You may be a participant in the um, Embodied Shakti Summit and looking at the donation page. You may be listening to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast podcast. Uh, and hearing this there or seeing it in video on the YouTube version of that podcast or you may be listening to a future summit or event because I have a feeling that we might be um, bringing this information uh, forward um, more than just right now Uh, as we're going to be talking today with Raquel. Thank you so much for joining us, Raquel Lemus. Uh, who is a licensed midwife and is running the research project about vaginal steaming for postpartum care that Kelly Garza of Steamy Chick and um, what's the name of the author of the fourth trimester? Kimberly Kimberly Johnson. Kimberly Johnson and Kelly Garza have created this research project and put Raquel in charge of implementing it. And they've also created a fundraising campaign to fund the project because it's hard to get funding for an effective treatment that women can do at home with their own kitchen tools and herbs that they can get at the grocery store or in their own gardens. Most medical research funding um, is, it's more popular, it's more financially, uh, what's the word for, for, for fun. What's that? Lucrative. It's more lucrative for, uh, drug companies to fund research about drugs that they can patent and sell or treatments that they can you know, get a patent on or get a, you know, and, and so treatments like this that any woman can do for herself or have someone support her with, um, Aren't a big priority in our current medical system. And so we are doing it anyway. That makes <laughs> me so happy. So I just want to encourage you, listeners, uh, to listen in. Uh, Ra- Raquel is going to tell us all about this research project and how it's going. And please make a donation. You can um, look for the link here in the podcast look for the link uh, on YouTube, or look for the link on the donation page of the summit to make a donation. If you're participating in the Embodied Shakti Summit, what you get if you make a donation to this is full lifetime access to the summit. If you make a donation um, of a certain amount and send me the receipt, then you'll get lifetime uh, uh, access to the summit materials like you would if you made a donation to me. So I'm, I'm uh, this is included. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense, Raquel? Yeah, okay. yeah uh, So if you make a donation to this project, you will get lifetime access to the Embodied Shakti Summit, just to make that very clear. Um, so Raquel, please tell us about this research project, how it started out, and how you got involved,
3: and how it's going. Yeah. Thank you, Sama. So, um, you know, I think this really came about from a desire of Kelly and Kimberly also being mothers. I'm not a mother, but I work with mothers as a licensed midwife and I've been working with families since I was 16. Um, the first, I feel like legit dub I ever had was, um, was a doula work. <clears throat> I didn't know that that's what they called it, but I was 16 helping this new mom who had a 10 day old, a two year old, a five and a six year old. Wow. And they're supporting her <laughs> in that day. 16 years old, me doing this already, doing this type of work of supporting this mother wow. um, in you know, helping her be the best person that she could be to raise her family, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And with Kelly and and Kimberly, they both have very unique experiences within their postpartum period and have seen the need and the desire for more support. Right now in the US, um, most people, the majority of people in the US are still giving birth in hospitals, there are a growing number of people giving birth in birth centers and home birth. Um, but in hospitals, if if you're giving birth in a hospital, then in the postpartum, you have one visit after you've given birth. Um, one visit after you've given birth. Um, and that happens at six weeks postpartum, right? So if anything, is developing or or showing signs of of distress, which sometimes people don't even know. Um, They have to go into an emergency room or getting an appointment is really challenging. So it's a really critical time to not be seeing someone that has some inkling of what's going on um, within the postpartum period of what's normal, of how to support the body in general. And the World Health Organization recommends at least three visits by a knowledgeable care provider. So part I mean, of During the first
2: six weeks, three visits. Yes. At least
3: three visits. Oh my At goodness. least three visits. Yeah. In typical midwifery care, mostly if you're having birth at at a, at a birth center or at home you're going to receive anywhere from four to six postpartum visits Thank throughout your postpartum time throughout that first six weeks. So it's really kind of this drastic switch, one visit, six visits, what's going on in between, you know, three, is that a happy medium? We don't know. Um, and so we really wanted to look at, okay, can vaginal steaming or what we've, from the case studies we've seen we've had moms steam. kelly has steamed herself in the postpartum um i've worked with several moms who have steamed in their postpartum period and their case reports of what um how they felt the improvements in healing their uterus and blood loss and just coming back into their own bodies and feeling of support, less depression, all those things have been word of mouth um, and case studies, which as our society has shown, we don't always take women's word for it, we need research. And so this is where the research study came about and being like, okay, can we actually put some data to what we know um, is benefiting people um, and is showing just Um, lots of care and improvement for this postpartum period and helping this transitional time for mothers or pregnant people after they've given birth and that's how the study came about. Um, I've been working with Kelly off and on we've both kind of been on our own journeys side by side and have always kept in touch and after I finished midwifery school and came back to LA because I studied in in El Paso, Texas at um, Maternidad La Luz, there's Mm -hmm. a birth center out there. Um, But after I came back and really tuned into what she was doing here, um, you know, I I took her course and um, we connected and she was like, hey, would you want to support me in um, helping with the consultations that happened Mm -hmm. at the Chick? As a licensed midwife, as having this other knowledge around the uterus,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, can you support me with this? And then that's where I started talking to her a lot about the postpartum and my experiences with working with women and my experience with steaming with with women and with pregnant people in the postpartum period. And you know, when this study came about, that's when 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 Kelly and Kimberly approached me to mm. to be lead on on it in. In LA, um, so so that's uh, how it started.
2: All right, and so being lead on it in LA, that <laughs> that hints at possible other partners in the research project in
3: other areas. Is you know is that that's our, or is it possible? That's our hope and uh, that's our, you know, holding that highest vision and expansion for what this study really is. It's a small study. It's a pilot study. Um, Right now we have about 15 participants actively in the study. I'm still definitely recruiting some more in the postpartum period. So if you're, you know, um, giving birth from now until mid-April and you're in L.A., um, Reach out to me and we'll, we'll give you the information to do that in a little bit. But yeah, as a small pilot study, we're looking at like, is as peaking interest, like, can we mm-hmm. peak the interests of people to make this a larger study, maybe mm-hmm. expand it to different areas? Um, Kelly and Kimberly are both in communication about with different people about research and about um, um, really su- supporting this to grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: So, <laughs> so, so explain how it works, uh, and and why it needs to be in the LA area. Because what is it that happens when somebody says yes, I'm about to give birth, or I've just given birth, and I want to be part of this research project? How right, does it work? Right. What do you, what do they have to do? How, do they meet with you? Mm-hmm. Do you instruct them on certain things? Do they fill
3: out some form? What is it? Give us the practical nitty gritty. Yes. The logistics. So why it has to be in LA is because I'm the one doing all the visits right now. Um, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so I, and that's where I live. <laughs> I and live so in York,
2: it right. involves visits by a licensed midwife or at to least your that,
3: part yes. to your home. Okay. So the start home. like I am try to recruit people um, most of the people have come into the study when they were already pregnant. There have been a couple that within the the day or two after giving birth they've reached out because our first visit initially needs to happen on day 4 postpartum. Okay. And again, we're we're doing this because on day four is really when we have an idea that um, there's been a decrease in the blood flow and the lochia that's happening after postpartum. And we want to make sure that that's starting to heal on in a good way, right? We don't seeming has the potential of increasing circulation. So if somebody has been having some issues with hemorrhaging and things like that, then um, we seeming at that time would not be the most beneficial thing for them. Rest would be more appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, um, And we are talking about um, vaginal births. So for this study in particular, we are looking at um, people who have given birth vaginally. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you can't steam after having a C-section, but the wait time after having a C-section to steam is longer. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're targeting right now um, healthy vaginal births regardless of whether or not you've had interventions, regardless of whether or not you've had sutures, those actually help to really um, see the benefits of, of steaming in that time. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure that your bleeding is starting to come down. So that's why we start on day four. Mm-hmm. That being said, the visit has to happen on day four um, postpartum. So that is me coordinating with, with the family, Um, to come out and visit you at whatever time would would feel appropriate. And then um, we do have two different study groups that are going on. We have people who are steaming consistently in the early part of their postpartum period. So they would receive a steam from day four to day eight. Um, And then we have people who are steaming more of a control group who are steaming at six weeks. So for the people who are, are seeming consistently, um, or what I should say first is everybody gets at least three visits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those visits happen on day four, postpartum, day eight postpartum and at six weeks postpartum. And on each of those visits, you're getting a full, um, examination of your overall health and healing. So I'm looking at blood pressure. I'm taking measurements of the waist i'm assessing any tears that might have happened i'm looking at the health and the tissue integrity of the vagina um i'm looking at assessing breast pain um constipation how's it going with with you know bladder movements and and bowel movements and things like that so you're getting a full review of your physical well-being and, and an emotional assessment too of how is this transition going for you mm-hmm. um what areas are working where is it finding more challenge are you having some challenges um with breastfeeding are there simple questions that i can help answer in that time frame mm-hmm. um and then for those who are steaming in the early part of the period then they're in addition to that wellness check, emotional and physical wellness check, then um, they receive a fifteen-minute steam. And so
2: you you do the steam. You yes. You
1: conduct so, yes. the
3: steam with them. They you don't. Yeah. So I steam with them again because it's 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 a it's a study. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that everything is. Um, as streamlined as possible, right? Our system in the United States likes things streamlined. It makes it easy to follow. In research studies, we need to be able to say we use three and a half cups or two and a half cups of liquid every single time. Mm-hmm. We used three tablespoons of herbs every single time. And mm-hmm. so in steaming, um, it is a process that can be very autonomous. Um, and can be totally done um, on your own and with some lighter support than than what I'm offering at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of this research structure, we're trying to make it as as easy also to copy because we want more people to be able to sure. study the benefits in other places as well. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm the one coming every single day for those five days to steam to steam you. wow, Um, Yeah. (laughs) And we're, you know, we're just checking in and, um, throughout that, that 15 minutes steam. And then, and then at day eight, I do again, that full visit of the body and the assessment of what's happening. Um, and then at six weeks, again, just a revisiting of the body, revisiting of the wellness, making sure that the body is healing in the way that, um, that is most optimal and most nourishing in, in this postpartum period,
4: you know?
2: Yeah. So, so, but you know, so you're, you're the study for these early steaming participants, Mm -hmm. you're also receiving five visits from someone. So that's to be taken into consideration as well. You know, I mean, if for future studies, it sounds to me like that could be controlled for so so that we could really, you know, because there could be aspects of the emotional well-being or even the physical well-being, for example, that we could, you know, a critic might say, well,
4: mm-hmm.
2: do one where they're not steaming, they're just having a midwife visit five days in a row. Exactly, you know, yeah. and control for that, uh, and then like that. So, but the uh, the control group that you do have in place right now is that you come and visit. Uh, you visit the person. They don't get the steaming visits
4: mm-hmm.
2: in the early period, but only after six weeks. And then do you do steaming with them for five yes. days
4: after the
3: six weeks? Seen them? We've seen them once. Once. And that's also the difference. Yes. Oh, okay. They can continue the practice I show them how they can continue the practice themselves but as far as the research study goes we steam them one I steam them once so okay because that yeah. that
2: addresses sort of the ethical thing of like if we kind of have a strong feeling that steaming is helping people based on your experience mm-hmm. with clients then you know why would you how can you ethically withhold that from yeah. a group mm-hmm. of people when it's very likely that it would be beneficial to them so you're not withholding mm-hmm. it from them 100 percent. you're just yeah. saying why don't you wait to start until six weeks out you'll still get the benefits then but that gives us the opportunity to to see the difference and so do you still Absolutely. go for those two visits uh with the control group do you still go for two visits within the six weeks
3: yeah so yeah, everybody gets a visit, regardless of what group you're in, on day four, day eight, and Mm -hmm. six weeks, Mm -hmm. and yeah, that, like you said, that, that's something that's really hard for me, I want to steam everybody, Mm -hmm. I want to steam everybody, Mm -hmm. and, and I can't in the way that I want to right now, right, because um, we are trying to you know, look at this as, as this as data, and really get the support for it. But I'm definitely having those conversations with people, and in the six weeks, guiding through guiding them through how to do this themselves, and and the support that they need in order to continue the practice and still get a lot of that healing um, from the steaming, even at six weeks, it's still incredibly beneficial.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, and I I I'm a massage therapist, and I I work with women all the time who are way beyond six weeks. Even their children are grown and gone, and they're still suffering from health issues that I link to inadequate postpartum care
4: mm-hmm. and
2: I I send them I say go and have your 40-day confinement now with mm-hmm. your adult grown child I want to go do that with my mom someday and like and and steam and do the body wrapping and all the wonderful things that we know uh, how to do now or that we're remembering how to do from all the traditions that that haven't been lost or that were that we're resurrecting of how to care for ourselves postpartum so we can do it retroactively. So if we can do it that far retroactively, then six weeks, six weeks, we can certainly do it then. Yeah. Um, but, but you're still giving that postpartum visit and talking with them and reassuring them. So they are getting some of the emotional support. Um, mm-hmm.
4: with, Absolutely. Even
3: in the and yeah, and that is um, something that is, is challenging to, to controlful because it's, it feels so basic to just say that, like we need support.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: We need support in this period of time. And I think it's ridiculous that it's not present yeah. um on a on a wide scale. I suppose
2: right? you could do sort of a a control group just simply by going and asking to um, to do an evaluation, seeing if you can get some volunteers who, are just in this other system of they just go for their one doctor's appointment after six weeks and Mm -hmm. and you make it available at a certain doctor's office or at a birth center where that's the only care women are getting and say we just want to evaluate this baseline where they haven't received a midwifery visit in the first six weeks they're not receiving any steaming and And you just go and you evaluate their health and maybe then you introduce steaming to them. Uh, (laughs) But you know, then that would be an even more severe control even though the inclination would be to go to that and say, Hey, be part of this group and come in and steam right away.
4: (laughs) Right.
3: Right. Yeah. There's, you know, this is, there's lots of ways of envisioning it Mm -hmm. and lots of ways to, to rule out those factors and think of like what, you know, there's, there's also, I guess you can say, um, um, I would say with, the, with this study, we have some, uh, what do they say, inspector bias, because I do have that bias and that mm-hmm. I know that it works, mm-hmm. um, so getting somebody who doesn't have that support and maybe is a little bit more skeptical, too, um, of this process would also be beneficial. You know, in that but in then
2: that. you'd have to get them to agree. And, and my experience is people who are skeptical go about vaginal steaming, don't want to have anything to do with it at all
3: right. Right. <laughs> We we have to find that person who's like, I'm gonna prove you wrong, and then be like, ha. Ha ha, there we go.
4: All right.
3: <laughs> right. So there's a
2: lot of different aspects and you know, it kind of um makes sense why another reason why this research hasn't happened. Up until now, is because the the people who know its effectiveness are just doing it and teaching people how to do it. They're not trying to go and prove it. But that I, I so I really appreciate this visionary impulse uh, with Kelly and Kimberly and yourself to say, you know what, we need to bridge the gap between the medical community and this wisdom that's been carried out on throughout the last few generations despite the persecution of the midwives and the people that have been you know that have these traditions still intact the genocide and all of this that has gone on that's that's um, sent these practices into hiding that we still just know those of us who are open to that kind of knowing we know in our wombs really that this is beneficial and that our job is simply to educate. But this kind of research is going to help us to educate people who have who are have more confidence in the intellectual type of knowing, the scientific type of knowing than they do in the intuitive, more feminine type of knowing. So we're bridging, we're building bridges with this with this research between those two types of knowing which is so important as I'm sure you know in your midwifery practice to help women to go from thinking they know everything about childbirth and what's going to happen reading all the books and the you know and getting the trainings and to to connect with their intuitive knowing that their body can do this and give birth and I, I know as as a doula and perhaps you as well have to we have to sort of coach women to reconnect with that that intuitive wisdom and trust in that more and so I really see this research project as as supportive of that it was saying look the research even proves it that you can really trust this knowing that ah, oh, this feels so good and so it must be good right
3: <laughs> yes I I think you express that beautifully like that is it is a bridging and and right in the in the traditions in which um, this knowledge has never been separated specifically I'm thinking of the Korean cultures mostly and the Haitian women Um, they have a very active practice of Steaming regularly throughout the various phases of their of their menstrual cycle and uterine health, womb health in general, um, and that is because they've carried it on and they know it. It is a very intuitive process for them, um, and those of us who have been disconnected from that knowledge um, sometimes need this. We need those bridges to help us link back to these practices that can be very intuitive once we start that start to allow that knowledge to come through Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah the research is proving it in the numbers of like noticing how much a difference in um, like I'm taking waist measurements for example between um, the the two different groups and noticing that the ones who are steaming Earlier are seeing a a different a decrease in their waist and not to be like, oh, yes, it's about size But what that's showing to me is that it's clearing you're clearing the uterus more effectively the uterus is going down in size more effectively going back to the space where it it lives then um, you're releasing fluids more effectively like those those are so, that's one of the things that the research is already starting to show
2: yeah and you're toning all of the tissues not just the uterus you're toning all of the abdominal tissues uh with that steaming practice mm-hmm. and 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 everything is saying oh okay getting the nourishment and the support and the relaxation and the feel-good feelings which helps all of the tissues and organs to function at their optimum yeah. uh, functioning and and come back into a healthy uh, healthy balance and not mm. that it was an unhealthy balance but birth is a, is very intense and opens things up to a state of being that it needs to return to uh, another to you know a non-pregnant <laughs> state of being, and 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 that and that the steaming is showing the research already is showing mm-hmm. that the steaming is um, facilitating that very effectively that return to a non-pregnant state for all of the tissues and, and probably mm-hmm. even the bones, the ligaments, mm-hmm. all of yeah. that is getting toned.
3: Yes, the ligaments, um, all, of the, all of it is, is exactly, it's getting toned. And, and you're right, it's not necessarily that in the postpartum, it's an unhealthy balance. But what happens is that people never get back into a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Um, they never heal completely because yeah. they don't have the space to or the support to. Mm-hmm. And then that's where down the line, like you spoke about earlier, you're seeing people who are dealing with conditions that can be linked in some way or another back to their birth and their postpartum healing mm-hmm. experience. Exactly. And and that's really what we're, we're looking at, at steaming to support is that recovery time to help the body do what it wants to do and come back into its optimal alignment.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, so some of the things that I see down the line in women whose often whose children have you know grown and left the home already is that the, their ligaments that hold our hips which is the center the, the central fulcrum for all of our movements that get totally stretched out you know deliberately mm-hmm. so to allow the baby to pass they don't get uh, they don't get toned back up all the way because a women aren't resting after you know, if we rested, if we just stayed in bed, mm. <laughs> right? But even that isn't quite all the way enough because those ligaments need encouragement. I mean, when you injure your your ligaments or, or you tear a tendon or you stretch out, overstretch a ligament, a lot of um, overzealous yoga practitioners who are going mm. for the flexibility end up later on in life having this similar issue where we overstretch the ligaments we haven't really relaxed the muscles. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes, uh, if there was stress during the birth for some reason, there may be a lot of muscle tension, Mm -hmm. which can prevent the ligaments from actually toning back up again, because then every time you move, the muscle's tight, it's not lengthening and allowing you to move freely, it's pulling on the ligaments some more. Also, loose ligaments can cause chronic muscle tension because mm-hmm. in order to stabilize the joints to even be able to move around properly and keep the spine from falling off the sacrum, for example, mm-hmm. and cutting off uh, nerve, nerve flow to, to the legs and, and, you know, the body tenses up the muscles to mm-hmm. compensate for the loose ligaments. So in the, so this results in the long term and even short term, in uh you know low back pain sacroiliac joint pain you know hip pain leg pain all kinds of you know structural issues that women suffer from and no one makes the connection and so there's all these wonderful practices that we're remembering and learning from Mm certain you know especially certain indigenous cultures in mexico the the rebozo the the the, bind, the bone binding um, practices mm-hmm. the hip binding practices the belly wrapping practices of giving the body the message that to come back together right yes. and and the steaming has that toning quality it mm-hmm. and as while at the same time it lets the muscles relax it's a warmth. And the muscles can relax, which then allows the natural um, springiness of mm-hmm. the ligaments to to activate. And the, I'm just intuitively sharing about this. I'm I'm a massage yeah, I, therapist,
3: it's, and it's I
2: right on. You're
3: spot on. That's
4: I, I'm like. I, I love it.
2: Yeah, I feel <laughs> how the body works, and there hasn't been a whole lot of research about mm-hmm. this type of stuff either, except all these years I've been massaging people's bodies and feeling what's going on under my hands. So the yeah. elasticity of the tissues needs to return, and steaming helps that elasticity. I can feel it when I steam, mm-hmm. you can feel it when you steam, that suddenly the tissues, the vaginal tissues, are more elastic, it stimulates circulation, so the mm-hmm. any tearing, or overstretchedness in the actual birth canal, the cervix, the womb itself, all of that gains more elasticity and tone. So another thing that women commonly have is prolapse of the organs because Mm -hmm. the, the core musculature has tension patterns or um, has lost its elasticity, lost its strength because of injury or trauma. from birth or even just being all stretched out and not being pulled back together and and so and the pelvic floor and all that and so the organs yeah. kind, of kind of fall out right so there's a whole process of encouraging the organs to all come back into their proper place because without that then then we're all kind of just falling out right <laughs> of
3: ourselves yeah. and that's, that's what we're seeing is also just like the report of women and visually and you know I do do at the six weeks exam for everybody I am doing a speculum exam as well to look at their cervix and to just feel the integrity of the muscular structures Mm -hmm. within the uterus within the vaginal walls and all of what you're saying is spot on about that is this you know, most of these women feel like, and also the ability of them to even look at themselves again. Mm. You know, it's, it's generally easier when you have somebody who's supporting you through that. The steaming helps because you feel that connection. You feel that there's more awareness again of your genitals, as opposed to being like, I just had this baby through me. And then how the heck am I ever going to reconnect to my sensuality and my sexuality with the steaming? Because you have that stimulation, it, it facilitates that process, um, with, greater ease. Not to say that you're going to be 100% ready to have sex immediately after the six weeks, but there's less um, discomfort. There's less fear. There's less tenderness in the in the external genitalia and internally as well. Same thing with the uterus. We're seeing that, I'm, I'm noticing that people are having really, one thing we don't talk about is after birth, your uterus continues to contract. So you continue to experience some form of contract. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time that happens while breastfeeding is occurring because of the response systems that are going on with feeding a baby and your your body coming back to um, your uterus coming back to its normal size.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But those are the those are the women who are steaming are really seeing an impact in the comfort with the contractions, like not mm-hmm. feeling them at all um, after birth. And that is especially true for second time. Um, second time moms. Mm. And I have a whole, I have theories around that in, in, in that I think a lot of, a lot of people aren't getting an initial clearing the first time they get pregnant. Mm. And so they're having these other micro issues or an old residue build up over the years. And by the second time they get pregnant, their uteruses have to work harder to clear everything out again as an opportunity, right? Cause it's an opportunity to clear out the uterus effectively after birth. Right. And so their contractions are so much more intense because they're dealing with the stuff that never got healed in what? the first pregnancy. So and normally, so even, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I just want to, I want to ask a little bit yeah. to clarify more about that. So normally a woman has her first birth and without this kind of postpartum support, her her womb might contract some when she's breastfeeding naturally. To and and that contracting throughout the months after her birth, it's not just that initial lochia that comes out. Right, there might still be some um, some residue from the pregnancy, some tissue from the mm. pregnancy. In there, even if the doctor went in and scooped it all out after the birth, I know that that's a common practice. Um, mm-hmm. There may still be some some residue, and that throughout the months after that, even through breastfeeding, there might be contractions going on. But the first birth is not as much. Um, but you're contracting, and that gets the the uterus back to the right size, yeah. and also might help with when you're menstruate when you start menstruating again, which you might not even start to do for, for many women don't start menstruating yet again while they're breastfeeding yeah. until some time, some, some months later. And especially, and so, but then when you do, you could have issues around menstruation being more difficult mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. still have residue from the pregnancy that hasn't come out yet. So the steaming helps that residue to come out so that it's not still in there in your next pregnancy, where then the womb has to work twice as hard to, to eliminate and to come back down to the right size because now there's double of the residue
3: in there that didn't come out. Is that what you're talking about? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would say double exactly, but there's right. remnants. Yes. There's remnants of the fact that the whatever healing took place during the first pregnancy was probably not as efficient or as restful or as supportive as it could be mm-hmm. or as it ideally would be um, in that, in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, yes, it's the clearing that's happening. It's also like you were talking about the tonification, right? Mm -hmm. If, if you didn't have a uterus that toned and didn't have ligaments that were supported in that toning during your first pregnancy, Mm -hmm. that's only going to be more challenging the second time around Mm -hmm. to come back and do it all over again.
4: Especially Um,
2: because now you've been raising a baby
3: yeah. And, and doing you know.
2: all this work and, 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 you know. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I hear you get more sleep after you have a baby, right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> and that's when our tissues tend to, is when we're sleeping, right? That's when we're naturally, our tissues remedy and, 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 and tone. And so we're getting less sleep, we're getting more mm-hmm. work we're not getting that good postpartum, everybody taking care of us luxuriously so we don't exactly. have to lift a finger. And so we're having to get up and move around and all this. And that. then the next baby comes and the body's already tired and has to work extra hard because things didn't get completed in that healing process. So beautiful. So so I can see a whole bunch of, okay. of, of further research uh, to, To sort of show what we already suspect to be true, um, to to communicate this in a language to the scientific and medical community, the importance of this and the effectiveness of steaming by, you know, looking at, you know, births later on, like steaming with someone right after this birth and then and then how the difference between Mm -hmm. the one who steamed after the first birth and then had a second birth and her experience and the difference between that and somebody who didn't steam on the first birth. And then what happens in the second birth, all of these theories could be, uh, just, that's a lot of work. You got your work <laughs> cut out for you. Well, so, um, uh, I have one other question before I want to yeah. ask about the future, more more of how you're envisioning how this project will grow. Um, do you have specific herbal formulas that you use that you give to women? Is there one formula
3: or are there a yeah. couple of formulas? So for the study specifically, we are using um the steamy chick cleansing herb formula okay um, so that is I feel like one of the most effective formulas again to cleanse to help tonify. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a good amount of disinfecting her herbs for anybody who's dealing with sutures and the healing of those sutures. Um, so that is you know when you're steaming in the postpartum you are looking at wanting to have that nourishment, that combination of nourishing herbs, Tonification um, and disinfection—you mm-hmm. know—to just help and cleansing to mm-hmm. cleanse out the uterus, help nourish it, mm-hmm. and really support the process. So, for the study, we are specifically using the cleansing herbs again to make it as concrete as possible. That mm-hmm. these these are the specific herbs that we're using. Um, and yeah, that this can vary depending on region, depending on what ancestral plants you have around, depending on where you are in in this world.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, this isn't—it's our combination of herbs isn't like just the one combination of herbs that can sure. be used. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different herbs around the world and around the globe have different cleansing properties or tonification properties or nourishing properties and the ones that are around you are going to be the most relevant for you um but you know
2: that sounds like a whole other branch of the um, of the research project. If you wanted to, like, you know, really go down that road, or some herbaly yeah. oriented midwife or doula or someone who totally. participate in the study in the ongoing study, take that off a branch off of that and go around the world and say, what do we have locally growing? Does that work better than something we order from way over there? You know, all
3: those questions. Um, so I think it just speaks to the beauty of the, of like how individual, but universal this practice can be. Mm -hmm. And that's really phenomenal. Like this is, you know, individual health Mm -hmm. and this is your, and how you can design it for you to meet your needs with where, with where you are and, um, with the specific needs and goals of your body. And that's, that's incredible to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said, too, about if you have a plant or a, a number of plants growing in a, a wild in a field, you know, or in your garden growing that you've cultivated, um, that you can develop a relationship with the living plant. Mm-hmm. There's there's another quality to that. I, I did that. I harvested wild nettles and did a steam when I was traveling in the UK. And that was one of the most potent steams you know, I just remember thinking, wow, this one was really powerful, just, just with wild nettles, nothing else, wild wow. nettles growing, and so, that's one thing that I talk with my, uh, steam, steam clients, and, and womb-centered healing clients in general, steaming or no, uh, about is, with herbalism, is, you know, mm-hmm. what you have growing near you,
3: and so, um, it and sounds like another podcast. Yes, I, I've done them If you haven't already. Yes, <laughs> I, there's many podcasts
2: in the lineup for sure. Um, and But I do love, and I do love, uh, you know, the way that Kelly has designed these mm-hmm. herbal formulas to take some of the most potent herbs that are known to have these qualities that you that you listed that are important in the healing process. So having, it's also very helpful sometimes to just have a formula that you know that an expert has designed uh, that's gonna give you the results that you need and then, and then experiment from there with, with locally, you know. So awesome, so awesome. So um, we talked before we started a little bit about how this is a pilot study and that it would be um, something to inspire further studies. And I've been hinting at ideas that I see for further (laughs) studies here. Um, But right now, what you're looking for to grow where it is right now, it sounds like you're looking for more participants in the Los Angeles area. If there was somebody who wanted to assist the research project itself to get going in a different area Mm. say another midwife or doula or womb-centered healing professional maybe even a vaginal steam facilitator who wanted to or you know postpartum doula wanted to participate in the study as a researcher uh, could they reach out to you as well and discuss the possibilities and what do you see those
3: possibilities being in, in the future? Um, yeah, I think in the future it it is getting a broader basis, maybe across various different um, places in the U S or in other parts of the world. I know that people have been reaching out to to Kelly and Kimberly, both um, actively definitely wanting to be leading some of this research in in their areas as mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that part of it is 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 funding, is looking yeah. at as the funding.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and you know, the more funding we have, the more capacity and and even trying to get creative with with our resources. Um, in order to be able to expand that research for, you know, across different settings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also in the future, it, I feel like that's that's what it is. It's just refining this study to make it even, even better to look at the variables that are present, um, to um, how we can kind of streamline this if we're thinking of um you know our our system likes to work and how do you implement this as a structure how do you implement this as a wide whole and so um that's where some of streamlining some of this the these practices to make them more accessible Mm -hmm. for for people who don't normally have access to this information Mm -hmm. um or would not typically seek it out because Mm -hmm. they just you know, sometimes we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. um, or what we've been disconnected from.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I think in in the streamlining of the practice as well, and having um, knowledgeable providers to teach or to go out and do these visits with people in this, to be these bridges between, um, you know, what we've been disconnected to, to how we, this, this, this practice could support our health and wellness um, i think is going to be really really important in you know making this a um a profession for for folks maybe even beyond just midwifery yeah. um of you know what what is possible um and how you can support a family at this time and you know things to kind of in that time, it's it's sensitive, so you want to look out for like what is what is happening. Um, you know, making sure that there's no contraindications that are being activated, things like that. That um, the streamlining of of knowledgeable, um, ethical care providers in any field, I think, is going to be really important.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: I think that's also part of the aspect of like the research that. Um, that will help.
2: Mm-hmm. That yeah, and, and create and, and building more bridges mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. more medically inclined um, practitioners and providers, and then the more doula mid, midwifery midwifery inclined providers, bridging mm-hmm. the gaps between those different standards of care. Yes. And 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 creating healthy partnerships. Uh, between those different uh, approaches to care and infusing, you know, the the medical providers with the wisdom of the midwifery, as well as, you know, gaining, you know, access to some of the, the, the life-saving sometimes, um, Absolutely. skills and, and, um, and services
3: that the medical providers have to offer. Absolutely. And I, and I can already say within, you know, within that practice that there, there was, um, you know, one participant that was showing signs that were, you know, a little bit outside of the normal range. And this practice and even myself as a midwife, it's definitely not to be like, don't ever go to your medical provider or stop doing that work. But it is about collaboration. How can we use these systems to really support the individual um, unit in their whole and for this one participant, you know, having a knowledgeable care provider see her on a day where she would have normally never had a visit, Mm -hmm. but to be like, Hey, this is something that you should go get checked out by your Mm -hmm. care provider. Like this is an important aspect and, you know, go get checked out and was able to, to support her in getting a condition checked out that, Mm -hmm. you know, if left unchecked, who knows what could have manifested or further Mm -hmm. progressed. and was able to like get the best of holistic care in that moment.
2: So that was one participant in how many participants do you say you have right now? 25? Um, I wish. No, (laughs) we have about 15. Okay. So if one in 15 women is having a medically important symptom going unnoticed within that six weeks Mm. postpartum, which we don't know if that's an accurate statistic but we do know that in your research and i imagine you have other experience of that of that that you could document from your midwifery practice of one in how many women have something within those six weeks that need medical attention that would go unnoticed because she doesn't know, she doesn't have the information. She just thinks it's not normal, whatever's going on or thinks it's unrelated and thinks it's about something else and wouldn't go see a doctor about that anyway. But having a midwife there saying, wait a second, you need to get a test done. You need to get this looked at. Um, because it could be something bigger than it seems. If
3: one in 15 women, I bet the numbers are higher. I I do believe the numbers are higher, especially because um, there are larger numbers of morbidity and mortality rates in the postpartum period um, in the United States. And that's kind of one of our biggest issues um, here, especially if you're a woman of color, um, those numbers are even higher. for you specifically, so yeah, we have people dealing with infections. We have people dealing with all things that that they don't get seen or get kind of brushed off, or they don't know how to address um, in this time frame that really could use the support of of um, just having some more experience looking at these things, uh, at an efficient care provider. Mm-hmm. Um, just know some of the red flags. Not even, you know, we're not trying to get a whole bunch of people to diagnose people here. We're just trying to have that support to be like, hey, this is a red flag. Um, like this is a time where you would want to activate that medical care.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the hope in that with Kelly Garza mm-hmm. and, and Kimberly, uh, as far as I understand and from what you're saying, is that um, we can train. Especially through the Steamy Chick school um, Institute, we can train more practitioners in postpartum care from this angle of steaming, vaginal steaming and 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 train uh, practitioners to have a list of of things to to look for, red flags to then say to to women, "Oh, you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out." And so, You know, and and I imagine we can invite um, trained postpartum doulas into this aspect of the vaginal steaming to include vaginal steaming. We can invite midwives into this aspect. We can invite, um, you know, nurses, maternity nurses into this vaginal steaming training to not just to say to do vaginal steaming, but to just be paying attention and have some tools that we can offer, the vaginal steaming, but also just to pay attention to what's going on in more detail for for women postpartum, Mm -hmm. beautiful. And so we are kind of in this research testing that too. What would it be like if we actually paid attention to women postpartum and asked them a bunch of questions and looked into their health and, and really supported the health of women postpartum.
3: Because and believe them and believe, believe them, them.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: you know, there's, mm-hmm. I think, I think the statistic for, um, for I think women of color is like one in 3% mm. that are dealing with these health issues that are being unseen and, and that are dealing with death. You know, Wait. that's, that's. So that's, one,
2: one in three women are mm-hmm. dying postpartum. So that's actually 33%. I believe mm-hmm. if three yeah. women is one hundred percent, and one in three women, that's yes. one third. Yes, of the women, that's thirty-three percent of of, of women of color. Specifically, black women. Black women are dying postpartum, so that yes. doesn't even. And and I bet that the the dying the, the mortality rates for mothers in childbirth for black women in childbirth are somewhere around there too. I believe
3: same number around there. Yes. Yeah. There's three. Yes. It's three times more likely. Um, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Three times more likely. I'm looking at it. Oh, okay, the statistics. Right. <laughs> you have, I'm okay. Look at it right now to be more accurate if I'm quoting these things, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah,
2: so three times more likely. And can and where are you looking to find out that
3: information? Um, this, is, um, this is one of the alarming, well, let's see, this is the national, the NCIBI. They're, they're, they're one of the large research, research groups. Um, here's the CDC um also and and they're uh, saying there's npr And, <laughs> and NPR. NPR is one of the ones up here too
2: okay and they're all saying they're all saying that it's three they're three uh black women particularly are three times more likely to die in childbirth or postpart during the postpartum period yes
3: yes oh and this oh my gosh this one's even more so this is the ncib which is one of the national um What's what do they stand for? They stand for National Library of Medical Medicine, National Institute of Health, and they are quoting two to six times more likely um, to die of complications of of pregnancy in the postpartum. So it's a it's an absurd number um, of women women dying, but specific specifically, unfortunately. Um, black women and women of color, these rates are higher, Mm -hmm. um, for various reasons. And Um, from what I've read and listened to and and researched, a lot of it is
2: from what you said, women saying, this is going on for me and being blown off by their providers saying, oh, that's normal. Or just not even listening to them, not being able to get an appointment in a timely manner. Um, and you know, I mean, there was even, I think a, a man who, who, there's a video out yeah, that I've seen lately of a man whose wife died and who's now um, involved politically to to step up and, and, and work towards remedying the situation where his wife was you know, trying to get care from her providers and they were ignoring her and ignoring her and their efforts at advocating for themselves uh, fell short and she ended up dying. And so the more providers that we have, That have that have this information, that you know that that are um, primed to that are either women or people of color themselves, or have done the the work to clear the institutionalized and internalized and almost invisible racism. Mm but that is very effectively um, influencing their work and and their listening ear and their ability to attend to people or their understanding of people of color. The more people that we can educate in this direction to address that is so important. So I'm just so grateful for your work and your dedication. I know it's probably a lot of work, but that you're dedicated to doing it on top of your uh, midwifery practice, which is a lot of work all on its own. I just wanna commend you and I wanna encourage listeners to please reach out. So your email, if people wanna be involved in this in any capacity, whether it's by becoming a research subject or by um, becoming possibly a researcher or assistant of some kind involved in that capacity or by giving a donation, um, your email is Raquel at SteamyChick. Dot com, is that correct?
3: Yes. And that's R-A-Q-U-E-L. Okay. Com. Okay. Beautiful. And so I will also uh,
2: attempt to post the direct link to make mm-hmm. donations to, um, to this project. And those donations, what will they go towards funding in the project?
3: They will go towards um, supplies and time, like mm-hmm. the time it takes to pay researchers, me, other assistants, um, to go out and recruit um, and compile all the data, to make the home visits, mm-hmm. to um, you know do all these these aspects of analyzing the data and um, and recruitment and all of the one-on-one time mm-hmm. that you're having with all of the participants.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, participants don't have to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's absolutely no cost to them. Mm-hmm. So it also allows for that ability to keep mm-hmm. it a free service right now, um, yeah. which is this is not typical um, no. to receive this much care. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Yeah, beautiful. So we're, we're funding not only research, but actually high quality postpartum care for participants in the study that might not have access to it otherwise. So um, wonderful uh, way of of making a contribution to this change, which is fundamental. For our society pulling out of this self-destructive nosedive that we're in right now. I mean, it just how we got the idea that that completely uh, disregarding how we come into this world, how we're born and actually abusing that process that that would be a good idea. How we got that idea is beyond me sometimes. I have theories, but we won't go into that (laughs) now. But but the fact is we're in dire straits as a species because of that. And uh, I feel very strongly that we all need to contribute in whatever small or big way that we can. And I feel so grateful to you, Raquel, that you're stepping into this. And I just wanna make sure that uh, everyone knows that you can uh, give a little bit or a lot to this project and support Raquel. Cause I imagine as you get more donations, you'll have more time available and more resources Mm -hmm. available to serve more women in this way. And to, um, to grow this research project so that it has more and more impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you show the results, if you show the results for 15 women, it's not going to have as much impact as if you showed the results for several thousand women right. Right. over a long-term process too. Like if, if we had more donations and, mm-hmm. and more resources, then that's what's going to allow for these extensions of the research where you're going back to those same women, uh, in their second birth and seeing what the results are having had steaming and after their first birth and going back to the women in a longitudinal study where we're checking in with them later as they're older and comparing them that with women that didn't have this care and, and all the different health issues that might've been alleviated, which is another theory in, in Kimberly's book, or even based mm-hmm. on experience of, uh, of working with women over the long term that, having adequate postpartum care uh we can set ourselves up to not have the kinds of chronic illnesses that women typically have and that we're linking we're linking these types of chronic illnesses like autoimmune disease structural chronic structural things like low back pain and sciatic joint sciatic pain and all that and and there's a whole host of ailments that affect women more than men that we're Mm -hmm. linking now to inadequate postpartum care and that that postpartum time, the healing that goes on there can actually heal us in advance of these diseases or illnesses or ailments from later on. So, So the more we give to this kind of research, the more that we can present this to the people who are skeptical or who say, oh, you don't have anything scientific to back that up, we can say, yes, we do so exactly. <laughs> yes do. so let's yes. make it happen folks i'm so excited Thanks, that yeah. i got to interview you here today raquel so thank you so much and look for the links i um i'll post the link for to make a direct donation in whatever platform this is in some might be easier to access than others i know youtube doesn't like you having links that go outside of youtube so you might not but you can copy and paste it mm-hmm. from the description sometimes that's hard to find but look for it if you're watching in youtube look for it in the anchor platform again anchor doesn't allow links that go outside of anchor so you have to copy and paste it from the description but if you're coming in the summit uh, on the donation page you should be able to click the link right there above the video and go directly
3: to the donation page. So thank you so much, Raquel. Thank thank you. You. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure and thank mm-hmm. you to everybody who um, is motivated or moved by, by this research study and who gives. It's such an honor to have your support and to be doing this as a community. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mhm you're welcome.
2: Thank you so much. Okay folks, click on that link and give to the research. Let's help our help birth become this miraculous and mothers become the miraculous beings that we're designed to be through
4: through luxurious wonderful postpartum care. All right, that's all for now until next time.